Wouldn't it be neat to hear another law show from the same type of attorneys talking in the same monotone voice, saying the same old things over and over again? Uh, no. This is Legacy Lawyers. On Legacy Lawyers, you get two big things. Number one, we talk about the juicy details of cases that our law firm has dealt with. Of course, changing the names and details to protect client attorney privilege. And we dive into what options the clients had to choose from to fix their situation. Number two. Number two. You get educated about how the effects of not doing planning can be devastating. Let's get into it. This is Legacy Lawyers. And here are your hosts, Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. What's up, Michael? Hey, Nathan. How are we? Uh, we are good. Oh, good. I wasn't sure how I was, so I thought you could tell me. I'll always tell you how you are. <laughs> Thanks, So. Man. I don't know if you've looked, but like I just recently looked at what our podcast um, cover looks like. Have you seen that recently? I have. So we're using like an old picture of me. um, And I just want to let everybody know that I discovered that I have a new talent (laughs) in the last little while. Do you want to guess what it is? Beards? <laughs> yes, because in that picture, man, you can see a lot of my face. And what I discovered in the last year is that, like, I have this amazing ability to grow, like, a seriously legit beard. Your beard is legit. I should have just referred to it as the beard. The beard. <laughs> you and James Harden should have a beard off. <clears throat> Man, that's the one name that I don't want brought up when we talk about a beard. (laughs) That guy. He usually has a crazy beard, crazy big, crazy long beard. Yeah. I had a client the other day. um, He was seeing me on a Zoom and then his sister was on the phone and he's like, if you could see what I'm seeing right now, you'd just call Nathan Gentle Ben. (laughs) And the fact that you're laughing, kind of laughing, makes me wonder if you're too young to remember who Gentle Ben is, but there was a show. I'm too young. You're too young? Okay. There was a show like a mountain man. He had a pet bear. And anyway, he has a big old, big old beard. So, so any what's of your, older what's your, listeners would know Oh, that, yeah. Right? Everybody's going to know Gentle Ben, and they're going to know the beard's legit based on if I'm referencing Gentle Ben. So have you discovered any recent new talents? I, I have confirmed I cannot grow a beard. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was yeah. going to say, I would challenge you to a beard off, but. Yeah. You're telling me that's not going to fly. No, I don't think I'll ever accomplish that in my life. Okay. It's one of those things. 
Okay, well, uh, Mike, why don't you give us our, let's get our disclaimer out of the way. And then we're going to talk about something that's in my wheelhouse. We're going to talk about music. Yeah, I'm excited for this episode because it brings up a lot of like just unique scenarios and there's some twists and turns and it's obvious and it's something that's really big in the media right now. So I think it's going to be a fun Mm -hmm. discussion today. I'm also excited because it's going to be our first two-parter. Yeah, we are going to have to break this up. I don't think we can do it in one one shot. So. So. So just as a reminder, all our listeners, me and Nathan are attorneys. However, we are not your attorney and we are not providing any legal advice on this podcast episode. Although we will talk about legal issues, we are here to educate you and we highly recommend that you seek specific legal advice for your specific information, for your your specific scenario. And there is our disclaimer. I I think you meant the word situation. Mm-hmm. information like scenario today. it's situation so um i'm kind of would you say that i'm into music at all yeah nathan loves music i mean he's got a t-shirt from about 100 different concerts he's been to mm-hmm. and he's definitely one of those people that loves to listen to music while he works mm-hmm. and yeah. Sometimes I hear your, your sometimes I hear your door close because you're like, oh my gosh, he's playing his music again, and I'm trying to work in here, and I need it to be quiet. Like peaceful. So, yeah, I know you do, and that's okay. Um, I'm not. So, this so isn't question, somebody. Nathan, yeah, no, go ahead. The question, Nathan, is: Are you a Britney Spears? <laughs> I was just gonna say. That's, that's what we the really one, need to find out okay. right now because. It's um, gonna, affect the whole discussion okay um i would say that like i i would know a song or two of hers but she's not anybody that i um have followed i've never been to a concert um not somebody that i would no i mean but as far as am i a fan yeah i mean she's got some good songs she's got a, a few songs that i can i can tap my foot to I like it. I like it. Are you so, a Britney Spears fan? Do you listen to when when you're driving home and you're not working? Are you are you cranking up the Britney Spears? Very unlikely. I'm probably listening to a podcast, but um, oh. <laughs> but when I do listen to music, I probably don't catch too many of her songs. But I do. Okay. I do definitely know who Britney Spears is, and um, definitely know. You know what's main songs. Well, and you know, what's interesting is that I think she's, I think you guys are really close in age. Like I think you are her age. I am. She is your age. Yeah. And I remember in high school, like that's when she was becoming super popular and her first major hits were everywhere. So like, yeah, I remember that. Like it was, she was a big deal. Well, she's, her music still oh, she's, a big deal. Yeah, she's so, still a big deal. She's, she was, I mean, when she, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when she was busting onto the scene, it was like, she was a mm-hmm. big, big star. Big deal. So, 
Yeah, the reason we're talking about this is because some of our listeners may or may not know, but now that we're going to talk about it, everybody will know that Britney Spears has been under a conservatorship since what, 2008? 2008. That's a about long 13 time. 13 years. That's a long time. That is. So the other reason that it's that we're talking about this because there was recently um, a new documentary released called Framing Britney Spears, or is it just Framing Britney? I think it's Framing Britney Spears um, that covers the kind of gives a, it's about an hour long, a little bit longer than an hour. Um, we both watched it. It's it was made for TV on FX and then I caught it on Hulu Mm -hmm. debuted on February 5th, 2021 goes back into her childhood rise to stardom current legal battles in the conservatorship. So we're going to talk about that, but um, do you want to maybe explain why we would want to talk about that with this group? Yeah, actually, it comes up all the time with our clients. Um, so a conservatorship, just to inform anyone who's not quite aware, it basically is a person appointed by the court that will manage another person's um, estate, which basically means their assets and their financial life. And um, some states will have um, the word conservator over the person and the estate, which means hey, I'm not just over your finances for you. I'm also over like your life decisions of like where you live, your health care, like even restricting who you can see. Um, most states though refer to the guardianship as the person who's over the medical, um, those kind of life decisions. And then they say the conservators just over the financial side of things. So when somebody <clears throat> is determined not to be able to make their own financial decisions or they're not able to make their own um, health decisions, then the courts will appoint a guardian or a conservator over, over them. And now we see this often when our clients get older, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they get dementia, they have a stroke, they have other mental or physical disabilities that prevents them from being able to manage their finances or make their own medical decisions. And so a court appoints that person to do that for them. Yeah. We also see this um, when a child with a a disability um, turns 18, because even though parents are able to take care of their kids and make all those financial, legal health, care decisions for their children, Um, that all comes to an end at age 18, and it doesn't matter if that kid is disabled or not. So um, I've also helped people get conservatorships over a disabled child um, so they can continue to help make those decisions um, moving forward. Now, I will say that I've yet to deal with a situation like this one. I guess that's kind of why we're talking about this because I have never seen a situation where the conservatee, the person under the conservatorship, the protected person 
was so high functioning. The children that I've helped parents get conservatorship, guardianship and conservatorship over have all been fairly profoundly disabled. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes this one kind of so fascinating and in a lot of ways sad, I guess is for, yeah. for lack of a better term. That is the right word. Is that she's your age and she's not profoundly disabled. She doesn't have, you know, like a she doesn't have a, a mental disability. She doesn't have I don't know, what are some of the conditions that you've, well, that you've you dealt know, with like, where cerebral um, palsy, um yeah, Down syndrome. Or Downs. Downs mm-hmm. a perfect one, actually. Yeah. Um, severe, really profound autism. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that's typically when you see a younger person need a guardian or conservatorship is there's some clear diagnosis that is pretty obvious usually when you meet the person and you have a conversation with them very long. It, you can tell, hey, there's there's something going on here. And But with... With Brittany's case, that is very different. Like, I mean, she's performing. What was what was she making in Vegas? Yeah, so she did a residency what back in sixteen while she was under the conservatorship, where she was banking three hundred ten thousand dollars a night, and they would do three shows a week. So almost when you and that was just. I think that was mostly admissions, not merchandise. So there was over a million dollars a week coming in based on that, that Las Vegas residency in 2016. So, so you have this person who is younger, they have the earning potential of a million dollars a week and they're putting on these, you know, big shows in Vegas. Yeah. Where, but, they're singing, they're performing, they're interacting with crowds, they're dancing, they're, I mean, it's not the kind of thing where you look up at the front of the stage and you go, oh, wow, I see somebody up there that should be under guardianship and conservatorship. <laughs> I wonder who their guardian is. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's a, there's a, there's a, a very popular pop star in her mid-30s. I wonder who her guardian and conservator are. Uh-huh. No. I mean, like, think about Miley Cyrus, for example. Now, if I was going to pick a star and say somebody needs a guardian or a conservator, I would Uh, say let's put Miley Cyrus under one because holy cow. I mean, talk about off the rails. Extreme things, right? Yeah, nothing. I mean, she she makes Britney Spears look like a choir girl. Well, let's get into that, Nathan. What, like, obviously they didn't just be like, hey, you know what? I think it's time to do a conservatorship. Let's, let's go to the court and let's have the judge give us one. What, what triggered this all for Brittany? Let's set, let's set the uh, background real quick for anyone who's not familiar with this story. Yeah. So again, I'm not super familiar with her rise and so forth, but if you watch the documentary, that's where I'm mainly pulling most of this information from. Um, anybody that knows anything about her knows that she married a guy named Kevin Federline. And I think 
I don't even remember what his contact was with her. I have a feeling that he had something to do with, I don't know. I, I don't he know. Might have been one of the dancers. Might have been a dancer that she ended up having um, an attraction to and ended up marrying and then had shortly after the marriage, it's announced that she's pregnant with their first child. And then she has the first child. And then very quickly thereafter, like I think a year later. So it was one of those situations, like she barely had, they barely got the kid, the first one here and she was pregnant with their second. So she got two infant sons, two young sons. And not long after that, this was around 2000, 2007, 2008. Um, there's rumor that there's, problems in the Kevin Federline, Britney Spears marriage. And ultimately, um, I think Kevin filed for um, divorce. And then as is often the case, a custody battle ensues. And custody battles are always ugly. Um, I mean, they're so stressful. Like my first law firm did a lot of divorce cases and like, I mean, I've seen parents in divorce situations do some crazy things because of just how emotional and devastating those situations are. And it's, I mean, that's uncommon for them to do some really odd things that are out of character. That's really concerning. And so if you think about it, like if I was, trying to take away your kids or bar or reduce your access to your children. I can't think of anything. I can think of a few things, but very few things that are, that would be more traumatic than that. So in any event, um, they're doing the passing the kids back and forth thing. And at a certain point, um, and we also should point out that like, as you, watch this um, thing unfolding on this documentary. She's just getting, I mean, the paparazzi, the paparazzi is, I mean, it's like a feeding frenzy. It's like piranhas in a tank with a, with an animal, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's blood in the water. At one point they're talking about the, um, magazines are paying a million dollars for a good photo for a good photo. And by good photo, we mean an unposed and in some cases unflattering photo. Right. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's a situation where there's going to be stress or strain, like a custody battle, they want pictures of that. Cause man, that stuff sells like, unfortunately that stuff sells. So anyway, she's at a certain point, she was supposed to be, there are a couple things that happened. One, um, she spotted driving her car with one of her infant sons in her lap, which that's only a big deal in 2007, 2008 and beyond, right? Or a little bit before that, because I'm old enough to remember, I used to ride in the back of my dad's truck. Yeah. I mean, I, and we get on. We'd get on the highway and drive out to, you know, go camping or something. And we'd ride the whole way in the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. 
But in this case, um, photographers catch her driving with one of her kids in her lap. And she explains later that she was trying to get out of a tight um, street and paparazzi were on both sides. They weren't letting her through and she was freaking out and which I think is understandable. And she said, growing up, my dad always carried me. <laughs> my dad, that's our first mention of Jamie Spears. We're going to get into that. But uh, my dad used to drive with me on his lap all the time. So her first instinct was, okay, plop the kid in my lap and get out of here and get out of here. And that's what she did. And then the other thing that happened is she um, refused to um, turn over the kids when it was Kevin's turn to take them back, which that's never going to play well. No. And then I think the thing that kind of tipped everything was that in 2008, in the midst of all of this, she um, goes into a salon and asks the, the, the stylist to shave her head. The stylist refuses to. <laughs> She's like, um, <laughs> no, you're Britney person. Spears. I'm not going to be the one to take off that beautiful head of blonde hair. So she takes the clippers and she proceeds to shave her own head. And then not long after that, she's out and they're driving around. She's behind a Jiffy Lube and paparazzi again are all over. And she gets out with a, an umbrella. I don't know why an umbrella, but a, she had. a closed up umbrella. And she goes after this paparazzi. I think she ended up not connecting his with truck. his body, but right. she took, she took a, she put a pretty good beat down on his vehicle. Mm-hmm. And she ended up as a result of that, all of those things coming together. Um, she ended up on a 5150 site called in a mental facility, a psychiatric hospital, mental facility for a mental health evaluation. And I bring up, I bring up 5150 because for music fans, the first album that Van Halen produced with Sammy Hagar as the lead singer is called 5150. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it's a reference to a 5150 site called in California, which is the California um, statutory number for a site called. So just little, little music, little music music trivia, little music (laughs) trivia. Also, that's an amazing record. So you should go listen to that. Some of my favorite Van Halen stuff is the Sammy Hagar stuff, but, but I digress. (laughs) so that's kind of what puts her so she she goes into the psych hospital for mental evaluation and that starts this cascade of events that maybe you can start taking us through yeah so up to this conservatorship her father at that point jamie he petitions the court for an emergency temporary conservatorship and it's it was granted and so he had the legal right to make oversee the decisions for Britney's. It was both. It was granted for over her person and also over her estate. So he, at that point, was able to basically make all her decisions for her. And do you find that surprising at all? 
under those circumstances? This is what's tricky about all of this. Like no one has anything that there's no copy. There's no one has what was put in those reports. Right. So she had two stays at the psychiatric hospital and Mm -hmm. there's, we don't know what the diagnosis is. We don't know what the doctors concluded. We don't know what the treatment we, we just don't Cause, know. I mean, there's medical privacy laws that are going to prevent any of that from being released. And no one's ever volunteered that information, not even Brittany herself. Mm-hmm. And she's not one of these people where you go, oh, well, she's down syndrome or she's in a wheelchair and she's got severe cerebral palsy that affects both physical and mental yeah. capabilities. Like that's not happening here. So I guess what I meant when I... I was going somewhere with that question. I'm not surprised by the fact that in 2008, after that kind of insanity, those kind of, at one point when we were talking about this, you said she didn't do, she didn't do a lot to help herself in that during that time period. Like she definitely gave some pretty strong signals that she needed some help. And so I don't find it surprising at all that the court granted an emergency temporary guardianship, but I, I'm, I'm kind of emphasizing those words because I think it was probably temporary. proper that it was, it was definitely an emergency. Um, it was meant to be temporary, mm-hmm. but we're talking about this now because this thing is still in place 13 years later. And technically all conservatorships and guardianships are temporary, right? Like every state statute has some language that talks about if the person regains their capacity, then, and there's no longer a need for the conservatorship, then it is withdrawn. But how often does that happen? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it happen. Me neither. Because usually the medical condition that's causing the incapacity doesn't just go away. You know what? I take that back. I have seen it happen once and I was involved with it. Um, A husband had conservatorship over his wife who had some severe health problems and wife hired me back in the day to petition the court to demonstrate that she no longer needed that guardianship. She was then at that point living with her mother and their marriage was falling apart. So that that's a, that's a pretty obvious circumstance where a judge is going to say, yeah. And so um, that, that guardianship did get dissolved. Um, but so she's able to demonstrate that the medical issues yeah, were uh-huh. no longer an issue. Yeah. yeah. But it's because at the time that it went into place, she was so severely ill both physically and mentally that, you know, it was just a, it was a clear case of it was needed. And by the time we were petitioning to have it removed, she was able to sit up in court and talk to the judge and, and just, you know, she was as lucid as you and I are right now. Still had some physical problems, but her mom was helping with those. So I have seen it once, but it's pretty rare. But that being said, like, it's also pretty rare. In fact, like I said, we've never seen a case where somebody who can 
rake in a million dollars a week performing on a stage, um, singing, doing insane complex choreography, dancing, interacting with um, fans, signing autographs. I mean, that's, again, not the kind of person where you go, wow. Hope her guardian's there to pick her up at the end of the show because she really needs, mm -hmm. she really needs protection, right? Yeah, it's such a there's such a contradiction in in this situation. Like there's there's so much that you can point to saying, hey, she's she, you know she's an independent person that should be able to make her own decisions and should be able to live her own life without any other person's restriction restricting her but then yet there's this conservatorship that's been in place for almost 13 years and obviously the court's seeing something that's telling them it's should not be withdrawn yet yeah so here's here's kind of i think this will help people that aren't familiar but once you watch the documentary we should be are we getting are we a sponsor yeah. Oh, yeah. for this documentary <laughs> like we're going to get a kickback for yeah, no. getting people to watch oh no okay well that's going to be later when our yeah, podcast next goes next next, next episode by the time we do our part two that'll be in place you'll have that done right have that negotiated yeah. okay okay good no but i think um let me just give you kind of a flavor for what this involves so her dad who there's no dispute that her relationship with her dad, Jamie, has been strained for a very long time. Um, and you, you hear some, some of the folks that were involved with her early career, and they don't have a very high opinion of Jamie. In fact, there's, there's one part of this that really bothered me, a statement that he made early on or allegedly made early on based on you know, a record executive um, that said that the, the only time her name's Kim Kamen, um, record executive for Jive Records. She said the only time she ever talked to Jamie, um, he made a comment that one day my daughter's going to be so rich, she's going to buy me a boat. That's kind of stuck in my craw since <laughs> the beginning of, of this whole decision to cover this. Um, because that's who's been the one constant in the guardianship since day one. And even after she's come out and said, I don't want my dad to be the guardian, he's the guardian. Okay, so, and when we say guardian, technically he's the conservator of her person, which means he has control of who she sees, when she sees them, where she goes, medical decisions so he has access to all her medical records he directs her medical care creepy mm -hmm. little creepy like it's okay for dads to be directing their daughter's medical care when they're young but i mean she's a 39 year old going to be a 39 year old woman mm -hmm. and dad's still directing her medical care little creepy might, might be a little weird um he they've they've hired security guards that are around her that watch her every move 24 7 they monitor where she goes what she does 
He's in control of her finances. He's in control of when she can spend money, what she can spend it on. I'm, am I missing anything? I mean, he basically controls every single aspect of her life. Yeah, and that's what a conservator does, right? That's what their job is. They're supposed to look out for the protected person is what I prefer to refer to him as. So the person, the protected person, their job is to look out for him and to do what's in their best interest. And that's that's a big, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of power that we give someone when we feel like somebody can't take care of themselves or protect themselves. And so, yeah, he gets to do all that. And I'm sure, I'm sure she does have a lot of frustrating feelings about that and doesn't want her dad to be doing that. And I'm sure that because he's her dad, right. And he loves her and he's said repeatedly, I love my daughter. I'm sure he's doing this for free, right? Like he's, this is just something he's doing for his daughter, Mike. Well, I think there's two ways. I mean, there's, no, no, There's no. There's two no. sides to Come the story. On. Is he doing it for free? He is not doing it for free. So okay. I will. I'll. I'll sh- one of the articles I have here in front of me says that in 2018, Brittany's net worth was about 59 million. In that year, mm-hmm. she spent about 400 thousand on her living expenses, and then she spent um, another 66 thousand on like household supplies. Well, that could be anything too. That's clothing. That's so, I mean, definitely spending some of the money right for her. And then, but this is, this is where you get a little bit of like, um, she also spent 1.1 million on her legal and conservator fees that year. Mm. Just 1.1 million. She spent, she spent, well, it's her estate, right? So, uh, so Jamie wrote out these checks, her dad and the, co- and the court would have pr- approved them. Yeah. Usually. So, and then Did her he, dad, Jamie, I was going to say, do you write any checks to himself? He took home 128,000 of that, according to documents Ooh. cited in this article. So he's got himself a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the reason that every statute says that a conservator gets to be paid, right? Subject to court approval usually, but um, let's say. Okay. Let, no, go ahead. You go okay. ahead. I, I've got, I'm going to, I've got something. I got a little something for when right. you're done. And, and I just, and just to be clear, like. You're defending. Oh no, I'm you're not, defending. <laughs> you're defending him. I'm not defending. <laughs> Jamie's position as the conservator that it's right. But I, I feel like I got to defend the system a little bit or the process, right? Like, or at least explain the rationale behind it. That's, that's where I'm coming from, Nathan. I, I feel like we got to see both right. sides of this a little. Okay. So if somebody that normally could go get a job, maybe make a hundred thousand a year, I don't know. It depends on their skill set, right? Some people would make more than that. Others less. But if somebody that normally could make $100,000 a year are then saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a full-time conservator and make sure this person is taken care of. Because, I mean, in this situation, Brittany's estate's way too significant just to, you know, spend an hour a day on it, right? Like, it's much more involved than that. So, you know, if somebody's going to 
not do that, not be able to work, not be able to do, do what they normally could do to provide for themselves, then they have, they get compensated from the, the conservator's estate. And that's the idea behind it. With that being said, though, most of the parents that I know who are conservators of their kids mm-hmm. don't take a penny. They don't get paid. Yeah. They don't ask the well, court and you to just, pay them. They don't. And even though they're entitled to it and nobody would question it and the court would approve it, they don't take a dime. Mm-hmm. So I go back to my the thing that bothered me to begin with. My daughter's going to be so rich one day, she's going to buy me a boat. And then you just said somebody that could normally go out and get a job with it would pay them $128,000 a year. Well, in the documentary, uh, it's revealed that Jamie always struggled financially. They're from a little town called Kentwood, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's teeny, but always struggled financially, Um, had problems with alcohol, wasn't present a lot in her life, in the family's life at one point filed for bankruptcy. And I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody that struggles from any of those things. Um, but I'm just saying, I don't know that Jamie necessarily ever had a job in his life that paid him $128,000. And then I'll go one more step further and say, <laughs> he did, he did take, he does take compensation. And as you say, it's not something where he can spend an hour a day on it, but I also don't think he's sitting in a desk eight hours a day cranking over her. I mean, he's paying professionals. There are accountants, there are financial advisors, there are lawyers. dollars that went to other people. (laughs) He's got the checkbook and he can pay people to do these things, right? So Mm -hmm. he's taking compensation for being kind of the CEO. And I use that term specifically because of what I'm going to say next. We just talked about this. Las Vegas residency that she did. Um, Jamie somehow got the court to approve him taking 1.5% of the gross takes from all of her residency performances and merchandise sales during that first Las Vegas residency. So when you add that up, that's a big raise. Yeah. And so we've, I mean, I did a little math and I figured that year he probably took home close to half a million dollars. Yeah. That's a big raise. And then I want to say one more thing. And that is that the co-conservator at that point in time was a guy, a lawyer by the name of I can't even remember his first name because Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Wallet. (laughs) So, so there, I think sometimes people should be careful the professions that they decide to go into based on their last name. Um, There was a doctor when I was a kid um, and his last name was blood. Dr. Blood. Yeah. Makes you feel a little com- more comfortable seeing him. Dr. Blood. <laughs> I mean, and I know there's others, like I tried to think of a few, but, but anyway, and a lawyer whose name is Andrew Wallet, who also went in and petitioned the court for a raise 
as co-conservator. And this is the part that blows my mind. And this is where I kind of start to throw my hands up and go, okay, this is weird. He went in, petitioned the court, and in those documents, and you'll actually see those, they'll highlight the the um, the pertinent portions of those filings, those court filings in the documentary. But he basically says that due to the increased complexity of Britney's business enterprise, her popularity, the residency, some things that you know, she was doing well enough physically and mentally to be able to perform and to bring in some money. He, he asked the court to view the guardianship or the conservatorship, sorry, the conservatorship as a hybrid business model. And that therefore he should get a raise. And I would yeah. say that Jamie definitely experienced the hybrid business model by getting a, a percentage of gross gate, you know, door sales and merchandise for the residency. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a conservatorship being run like a hybrid business model? No, but I don't, I don't (laughs) see what your problem is, Nathan. I mean, I was going to say no, but what, (laughs) but but what, (laughs) but for them doing such an awesome job as, as conservators, they uh would have never made that much money. And so, I mean, let's, yeah, let's, uh, mm-hmm. cause that's the point of conservatorships is to make sure the person we're looking out for maximizes their financial potential. And so if we do a better job of oh maximizing financial potential, we should get, we should benefit from that. That's, you, you that's might the argument it. they're making, right? Oh, okay. I was going to say, if that's the <laughs> argument you're making, you might do well in some countries that view <laughs> citizens and their work very differently than we view it here in America. Like to me, that sounds a little bit like she can't go anywhere. She can't do anything. She can't see anybody except who they say, but she's got to go to work and she's got to pay everybody and she's got to pay everybody's legal fees and she's got to pay percentages of her takes to the guardian or the conservators People are asking for raises to help her run her conservatorship slash hybrid business model. I don't know. I, I have some problems with that. You know, and that's why, and that's why this, this seems off. Right. And that's why there's a movement called free Britney. Hashtag free Britney. Yep. Hashtag free Britney. Because like if you, if you stripped away a lot of these, little nuances and you just said, Hey, they're, you know, there's this adult, they had a mental breakdown, their parents stepped in and became their guardian and conservator. And they've been helping them ever since to make sure they don't have another breakdown. And, and they're making sure that their well is taken care of and they don't interact with um, detrimental individuals anymore. And that they're, you know, they're healthy and safe. You could say, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Like, we're going to do that. But when you add in all of these extra details, the quasi business model, you know, the financial benefit that everyone else is making, it doesn't, it, it feels off. It feels off yeah. to me. Well, I mean, I, when we talked about this, like I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to be like 
you're going to be pointing out all the reasons why this might be legitimate. Like I'm, I was going to be the attack dog and I think I've done a good job of that. But like, what, why, why should she, why should she be restricted from seeing people? Why should her dad or other people be able to tell her who she can see? Like, did something happen? I'm trying to give you hints here. Did something happen? Was some yeah. was she involved with someone? Like, yeah. why why these particular types of restrictions? Well, so here's the first thing you know, I want to I want to bring back to. Like earlier on, we said we don't have the medical records, so like the diagnosis could be like very significant, and all of this could totally make sense. But back when she had her original breakdown, there was a gentleman. Um, I think I think, his, I think you're using that term fairly loosely, but okay. That's what they called it in the article. I mean, Sam mental health, her mental health. Um, there was a gentleman, um, I think his name was. Um, Sam Lufty. Lufty. Yep. So he was her former manager. <clears throat> and so they got a restraining order against him in 2009. And, it, and in, guaranteed the conservator did that right on Brittany's behalf. And they mm -hmm. accused him of being a bad influence during her um, breakdown. And they, um, they basically said that his influence was a disaster for her life and that he was a big cause of all the trouble that she went through. And so the family, I mean, the family's worried that other, I'm assuming that the family or at least her dad is worried other people will swoop in and try to take advantage of the situation. And depending on what the medical records say, that might suggest that's very easy to happen. And that could happen very quickly. And it could really, really harm Brittany if that did happen. Um, but we don't. Yeah, know. there was even an allegation. And I don't know why I'm coming to this guy's defense, but or I'm coming to the defense of this guardianship. But it's because we don't know. And I'll, I'll be fair and say that there were times as I was going through all this where I thought, yeah, maybe there's something to this. Like, but the Sam Lefty character, um, at one point there was even an allegation that he was crushing up pills in her food and mm -hmm. slipping drugs to her and stuff. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, and I think that's why this is so fascinating slash frustrating slash mind boggling is that I personally have never seen any kind of analog to this. I've never seen anything even close to a guardianship that looks like this. And so it's really too, I mean, it, it can, it, I guess it depends on your perspective, like the free Britney movement, they view her as being a prisoner. Um, they point to things like she's come out in recent filing. Well, she's always said that she doesn't want her dad to be the conservator. Mm -hmm. um, they point to things that like that at certain points she acquiesced in the conservatorship and that allegation or the claim was that she did that because by doing that she was given greater access to her two ch her two children yeah i mean again just like, like there's some overlap there right yeah like man i hope that's not the case i really hope that's not the case that they're using her kids as leverage to 
keep her in this thing. And so the court cases have really increased over the last year of Brittany trying to change this conservatorship. And she, she definitely doesn't want her dad to do it anymore. And her dad saying, I'm the best person to do it. Like, I know my daughter the best. I've helped her for all these years and look how, you know, look how well I've done at this job and I should still be her conservator. And depending on the state, like we didn't look up California's, but like some states give high preference and deference to the parents to be the guardian and conservator um, because the law kind of assumes and infers that they would be the one that really has the person's best interest in heart and they would be the one to really look out for them. When you appoint someone who's not family to be that person, I mean, it's completely a financial relationship. Like it's yeah, like, and I've seen those, like I've seen, I've, I've worked on a case where somebody was, their, their conservator was a bank. And it's very impersonal. It's very, they follow the letter of the law because if they don't, there's, a, there's liability for them. So she did manage, I think it was back in December of 2020. That was kind of a big, oh, November. A big development in the case was that she was able to get Bessemer Trust um, to be the co-conservator with her dad. So at this point, she does have somebody that she's asked to be involved that has at least, you know, some say in the matter. Not sure what that looks like, practically speaking, from the inside. I don't think anyone does. But, but it's, it's to the point where this most recent hearing, um, we feel like, from what I've been able to read, that Jamie dad didn't like he feels like some of his power has been stripped away and some of his ability to you know manage her life has been diluted because Bessemer Trust is involved so there was just a hearing on the 11th of February that uh, where I think he was basically coming back and asking the court to maybe um modify that i don't think really much of anything was done so the the way it stands right now she's got bessemer trust and her dad as a co-trustee or i mean as a co um conservator yeah and i it looks like just reading between the lines that there might be a little bit of conflict between jamie and um the new conservator and we'll see how they how they work well how well they work together and it looks like Brittany's attorney, his strategy is to slowly change this, like take a piece at a time. So we got the co-conservator. The next step's obviously going to get Jamie removed and then eventually to say, hey, we don't need any conservator at all. This is, this is, we're doing fine. Well, that certainly seems what, like what Brittany is doing at this point. There's mention that um, like in one of the filings, uh, of course, the Free Britney movement, the hashtag Free Britney folks, they take this to the bank all day long. That in one of her filings, they uh, Britney mentioned that she appreciates the informed support 
of her fans. So kind of maybe giving a nod to the people that are saying, you know, that are questioning, is this legit? Should it have gone on 13 years? Should it continue to go on? There's also a discussion that I read where other members of her family, Lynn, Jamie, Lynn, the daughter, her younger sister, um, and others that are close to the family are going to be more, they're going to be giving more interviews and being more vocal about how Brittany feels about this to kind of give some support in the court of public opinion to Brittany's, you know, frustrations with this thing continuing to be ongoing. But, but I think it's going to be difficult to get it removed unless the medical condition has changed. That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's the hard part because part of me wants to say, well, what medical condition, but because we don't know what it is. Um, but I mean, Mike, you're supposed to be the one that's defending the court and the (laughs) judge and now I'm doing it. But I mean, there's, there is some discussion about, like I'm being a lot more fair about this than I thought I would be. I know when we first talked about it, you were pretty clear that this gar- well, you were should you start, were worried to yesterday. the point where you were like, okay, but like we need to use words like alleged and make sure you don't like right? blast someone too much and get yeah, us, and don't get us don't attack the court and the judge. And I was like, oh my gosh, he thinks I'm going to get on here and just. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I know you were, I could, I could feel it. I could feel it. I could feel it. In fairness, I do. I am a little bit passionate. I, I tend to have emotional responses to things. I did have an emotional response to this. My first emotional response was indignation, (laughs) but, but I will say that it would be pretty damaging to the court system in California if at the end of this it comes out that there was no medical condition and that the judge was complicit in basically what amounts to a you know involuntary servitude slash prisoner arrangement with her dad (laughs) so so I I think it's it is fair to say that you know the Something in those reports from starting in 2008 and continuing forward, there's, well, there's got to be something to it. It better be substantial because eventually it will come out and it will look really, really bad if it is not a significant, clear medical diagnosis. Yeah, and maybe yeah, gosh, really I, can't believe, I can't believe what I'm about to say. <laughs> And maybe Jamie isn't doing a, a bad job, you know, like we're going to have these free Britney people. They're going to find they're us. They're going to be mad at you because you. And I'm going to say, wait a minute. I'm What I'm going to tell them is, look, I was prepared to come out in this podcast and just rip into this thing. But Mike was so petrified that we would get sued or that I would say something oh. That, that he reined me in so much that I almost felt like I was under a conservatorship. Like, that Mike, right you now. are my conser- you are my podcast conservator. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, now I'm you, looking at- Now you, you know notes. what it feels like, Nathan. I'm looking at the notes that you gave me that you said I could not deviate from <laughs> in this podcast. No, I'm kidding. But, but 
maybe Jamie hasn't been doing a bad job because the one thing that's been consistent throughout is that he's been allowed to stay on. This judge has repeatedly allowed him to stay on. Well, the thing that's confusing to me too, though, is like, um, and this might be a Californian issue, but I know a lot of states, especially, you know, um, Utah, they will, they will issue limited powers, right? They'll, yeah, their goal is to, their goal is to only give the conservator power over the things that are essential for them to do. So if the person can do just one piece of it, they should be doing that. And the conservator should not be. And so Brittany. And that is not the case here. Like this is a full on, she might as well be down syndrome or severely autistic or otherwise that level. I mean, they are treating her as if she is a completely disabled person. Mm -hmm. And yet, in some of the court records, the, even the attorneys themselves will mention have, have come out and said she's a high-functioning conservative, <laughs> which to me so says she yeah, like shouldn't she if if she was in Utah and we were following that um, kind of you know that kind of a paradigm that you just described where only give the guardian or the conservator power to do things that absolutely are necessary for to protect the person, then you'd think that a high, high functioning conservatee would be um, that a lot of those powers would have been released back to her by now, but that has not been the case. I mean, they have her locked down. They know where she is every second of every day. They have security guards around her at all times. They, mm-hmm. they got, they, um, control who she can see, who she can't, when she can see him, when she can't, who she talks to, who she doesn't. And I guess one of the things that will come out if people watch the documentary is that um, just in the last year, I think Brittany's taken the position that as long as my dad is in any way, shape or form involved with my conservatorship, I refuse to work. I will not allow him to control how my career goes down. So, and that's why conservatorships are such a weird thing because we're, we're presuming that this person is not able to make their own decisions. So when they tell us, this is my decision, we don't give it any weight because we are presuming they can't make their decisions. So when she says, I'm not going to work until my dad's not the conservator. Well, that's, I mean, that is what she's going to do. And that's her position but as far as like us recognizing that that is an indictment of Jamie, that he's not a good conservator, like we're presuming that she's not able to make her own decisions. So how much weight do we give? Well, the court is presuming. Yeah. yeah. The, the court presume that. So how much weight is the court going to give to her position that I'm not going to work until my dad's no longer conservator. Or I don't want my dad to be the conservator. It's, it's, I mean, in theory, like we're supposed to give, no weight to that because we are because we've made the conclusion that they're not able to make their own decisions and they're not of sound mind. Yeah. And the reason that that's so hard is because when you listen to her talk, when you see her interact, when you see some of the things that she's said about the conservatorship, when she's been allowed to be in front of a microphone and a camera, 
I mean, that's some of the stuff that was pretty gut wrenching to watch is her saying, I mean, I wrote this down verbatim and I'm going to read it. This is a statement that she made on the documentary. She said, if I wasn't under quote, if I, and I had to like pause and play and pause and play and pause and play to get this down, but quote, if I wasn't under the restraints that I'm under right now, with all the lawyers and doctors and people analyzing me every day and all that kind of stuff. If that wasn't there, I'd feel so liberated and feel like myself. When I tell them the way I feel, it's like they hear me, but they're not really listening. They're hearing what they want to hear. They're not really listening to what I'm telling them. And then she pauses and she says, it's bad. And then she pauses again and she breaks into tears and she says, and I'm sad, unquote. Yeah, I remember that last part when she said she was sad. That was, that was sad. It's hard to watch. <laughs> that was sad. Yeah, it was super hard to watch. So, so Nathan, why, why is this, I think this episode is a big deal. Like, why, why is this topic so relevant to our audience? Like, they're not pop stars, right? They're not they may not Famous. even be Britney Spears fans. Britney Spears fans. They may not even care about Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. But they should care about this topic. Yeah, here's why. Because guardianships are serious. Mm-hmm. Um, giving having a court put a court order in place that gives another human being, the ability to make every single decision for another human being is a big deal. And our listeners should be concerned about this because you and I have sat in courtrooms back when we were allowed to sit in courtrooms (laughs) and they were, they're called cattle calls, um, which is essentially there's a big, you know, there's a bunch of cases that a, a probate judge has to hear, um, but they don't assign you a specific time because some of them might take, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Some of them might take 60 seconds. Some of them might take five minutes. Some of them might take 20 minutes, but the court's just not sure how many, you know, um, how long each one's going to take. So what they do is they, they dock it and schedule anywhere between five to 20 matters to happen all at the same time. And so all the lawyers and all the parties show up and they sit there and wait for their court or their case to be called. And the judge deals with it. And unless there's an objection, as long as the paperwork's in order, I mean, how many times have you represented a client that was trying to get guardianship conservatorship over someone else? And I'll just talk for myself. As long as the paperwork's in order and the attorney for the protected person, because that does have to happen, they have to have their own counsel. But as long as there's no objections, the court will rubber stamp those things. Mm-hmm. And, and then once they're in place, I know of in almost 20 years of practicing law, I know of one that has been undone in the documentary this attorney that works for Jamie's Jamie, um, her name is Vivian. May not be able to find it. Vivian Thorine. Um, she's been in 
law practice way longer than me and dealt with way more guardianships than I have guardian conservatorships. And she says she's never seen one. So they're serious. They're all encompassing. Um, they're nearly impossible to remove. And yet if people don't take steps in advance, if our listeners don't take steps in advance, they could very well have zero say over who becomes the person that makes every decision for them going forward for the rest of their life. Yeah. And to give an example, um, you know, we, well, statistically speaking, we're way more likely to become incapacitated than when we pass away. So, you know, most people are focused on, you know, wait, say that again. I didn't understand that. We're way more likely to be what? Incapacitated. Than to, than to pass away. Statistically speaking, people are more likely to have a period where they become incapacitated than they are to die. Like you look at the odds of you dying today versus the odds of you becoming incapacitated. Okay, gotcha. You're, you, you have, it's a greater risk to become incapacitated. Cause so I was going to so, say, I think there's a hundred percent chance that we're going to die on. Yeah. That ultimately you're saying on a given day, on a given day. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> on a given day. Thanks for clarifying. We don't want people to be thinking like, Oh, Hey, at Voyant Legal, they're doing something that reduces the chances of ultimate death. There's only a 99% <laughs> chance I'll die. I'll take it ever. So no, on a given day. <laughs> sort of like translation, like Moses or something, right? So they... Uh, <laughs> Moses so, and Britney Spears in the same episode. Somewhere, some, 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 someone's rolling over in their grave that we brought those two names up the same. So they, anyway, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Basically, basically it's, it's a bigger risk to have to need a guardianship than people realize. And when it happens, it happens instantly, just like Brittany's case, right? There was the mental yeah. health issues and then boom, the conservator was granted. And 13 years later, it's still here. And she is a high functioning conservator. So conservative, so, conservative, conservative. Thank you. So, yeah. Basically, as we get older, the likelihood of us having something goes up and up and up, and the risk of us needing a guardianship goes up and up. And every one of us wants to be in control of our lives as long as possible. And when we do lose control, we want to make sure the right person is stepping in and filling those shoes. And so on our next episode, that is what we're going to talk about is what families can do to make sure they don't get stuck with some guardian or conservator that they hate or that they don't trust, or that's just trying to take advantage of their finances. And also even better than that, we're going to talk about the things that you can do to really minimize the, the likelihood that you'll need a guardianship. Cause just because someone becomes incapacitated does not necessarily mean they need a guardianship. Oh. And nope. I have, I had a conversation just a couple of weeks ago with someone on the phone and that was their question, right? Like, Hey, so-and-so is incapacitated. Do we need to go to court and get a guardianship? And we walked through that conversation and, um, concluded no, we concluded no, because they had done the right planning. So we're going to talk about what that, why. So what you're saying is no, I'll just say it this way. Um, 
just like probate, you may not be able to completely avoid guardianship, but um, you can have control over who would act in that capacity, mm-hmm. but you have to act in advance. And so what we're going to talk about next time is how people can do that so that they don't end up in a, you know, a situation like the one so that Brittany's trapped. in. Yeah. Trapped. Maybe you that's be the trapped. best. Maybe that's the best way to say it. They don't end up trapped. So tune in for that. And then I will tease the episode that we're going to do uh, after our part two of the free Brittany podcast. <laughs> um, two weeks from now, we have got a case that I just worked through that will blow some people's minds. Um, we're going to talk about the importance of the proper wording being used in documents and how many words the, the uh, in this case three words three right words? three words made the difference between um, keeping or losing fifty thousand dollars three words three words so so should I should I start making a list of what words? I yeah, I, I do want you to take a stab at some of those for when we get together next week to finish out the okay guard the Brittany conservatorship. So the, are these three words that they didn't have or they did have that caused the problem? In this case, three words that were missing. That were missing. Okay. Yep. So three magic words. I got to come up with a list of what yep. three magic words would save someone $50,000. Yep. Okay. But next time, with that's that's two weeks. Next week, we're going to finish up the free Britney, the framing Britney Spears, the Britney conservatorship discussion, and talk about how people can avoid finding themselves in a similar situation. So, um, thanks for joining us today, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. See ya. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.